This is Radio Maria. A very warm welcome this afternoon. And this is Credo. And for our regular listeners, you'll recognise the voice we have. It's our dear friend, Mr. Derek Williams, who's going to be continuing. I think it's part three on his talks on the Sabbath. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon, Eddie. What a beautiful day, eh? Well, finally. Finally, we've got a bit of a... <laughs> yes, we made it. We, we made had to it. wait till May, but we got there. <laughs> so good afternoon, listeners. Welcome to a, a sunny spring afternoon in England. Great, great. Well, what I'll do, as I usually do, I'll hand over the, the airwaves to you and our dear listeners, and I'll pop back in, and I'll be listening in in the background, taking notes. <laughs> Superb. Right. So and then we'll have a little music away, break in a bit. <laughs> I'll give you plenty to note about. So, listeners, we're, we're, on, we're on to our uh, third session, Sabbath Rest. First session, we looked at the creation and the Sabbath being the day on which God rests from his work and contemplates the creation, sees it as good and beautiful. And then last week, we looked at the Sabbath in connected with the manna and the Eucharist. And um, the how the Sabbath, how the, the resting on the Sabbath day and receiving the Eucharist prepares us for the battles of life. Today, I'm going to be looking at the commandments because it's just following a sequence, really, in the Word of God. And the, the Israelites have been released from Egypt. They've gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God speaks. And it's worth bearing in mind, this is where God is speaking to the Israelites as a nation now. Prior to this, God was speaking through Moses and giving them orders to set them free from their slavery. Now they're in the deserts. Now they are physically free. And we can think we may be physically free. We might have that perception. We have a certain freedom in this country. Um, and you might sort of think, well, yes, we are free. We have our freedoms, as it were, which are protected by law in many circumstances. But we can also be heavily enslaved interiorly. I know from my own discussions with people that um, People do not feel free inside. They do not have the peace. They don't feel the love, the connection with God. They are sometimes bombarded with anxieties, with doubts, with fears, anger, jealousy, um, even hatred. A very, very strong word, but I know people who struggle with these things. And so God wants us to be really free. Now, remember Jesus in the New Testament in John's Gospel says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is what Jesus uh, wills. Jesus wills our true freedom. We have to try and connect with that. Jesus wills our true freedom, exterior and interior. Okay. In fact, if you could, if you want to, you could, there's, there's a, a twist in the narrative. If you ever read um, books by some of the saints of the 20th century, for example, there's a great book written by Walter Chiswick. Um, uh, I can't remember the title now, to do with where God wills. Um, and um, it describes his, it's his basic part of his autobiography, where it describes his imprisonment in a Soviet uh, labor camp in Siberia. Here's a man who is imprisoned, and yet he has such interior freedom. Uh, you know, the, the, the narrative is beautiful. He goes from wrestling and struggling with so many things to coming to a place of peace in spite of the fact that he's in a Soviet labor camp. 
you know, so think think about it. We can be in this society that we think we have this freedom, and yet interiorly we don't. How do we attain freedom? How do we get to be free? Well, you know, it's all leading up to the Sabbath, isn't it? So it's not it's not it's not really a catch question. Um, well, let me look at these ten commandments that God gives us. Okay, um, in in Exodus twenty, it begins with God saying, "I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." as a house of bondage then he says you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make yourself a graven image i'll actually cover that as part of the session this thing about the graven image that causes sparks to fly sometimes in our conversations with our protestant brothers and sisters but i want to i want to dip into that very quickly in the narrative in fact um and it, god it says this right this is for access 20 verse 5 you shall not bow down to them or serve them for i the lord your god i'm a jealous god now, I've picked on that for a reason, and I'll, I'll come back to it in a moment. Uh, in verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Because as three commandments pertain to God, then we get the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, Remember it and keep it. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your cattle, the sojourner within your gates. Four in six days the lord met heaven and earth so if you look at the commandments to do with um no idolatry you should not bow down to them for i had the lord your god i'm a jealous god and then we get to the commandments on the sabbath and there is a reason okay there's a reason for us keeping this commandment the seventh day is a sabbath lord your god for in six days the lord god made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it so there are these two commandments where God gives us the commandment and then he gives us a reason for the commandment. He doesn't do that with them all. For example, in verse 13, you shall not kill. Bang, done. The actual Hebrew is you shall not murder. But, you know, it's, it's just done. There's no reason. There's nothing else. Just you shall not kill. Right? Very straightforward. You shall not commit adultery. Very straightforward. But look at the Sabbath. The commandment on the Sabbath is extensive in comparison with these other commandments, you know, and, and here's my footnote. This is my footnote from this Bible is called the Didache Bible. And it, it's, it gives quotes from catechism, saints, um, popes, magisterial writings. So it's a really, the footnotes are really quite brilliant. This is the, um, this is part of the footnote with regards to the Sunday rest. The Sunday rest involves restraining from unnecessary work and other activities that detract from the worship of God. The faithful are encouraged to use this day for works of charity in the study of the faith. Now, here comes the punchline. Ears pricked, I hope. Listen to this one. One of the practical advantages of this day of rest is the chance to recover both physical and mental energy and to spend time with the family. Okay, so the chance to recover physical and mental energy. Now let's let's go in the other direction. Let's look at where we are today in a real sense, where we are not having time off on the Lord's Day, where people are not resting, where when there's any opportunity for us to have a bit of free free time. We talked about freedom earlier. Free time. When we get free time, it's always a case of what would we do? Oh, we're gonna go out and do some sporting activity, off to the beach, go to the seaside, fly off to some foreign country. We do everything that increases the stress levels. You know, I mean, I remember just a few weeks ago, um, 
I can't remember if it was the Easter break or a bank holiday of sorts, um, but there were miles of queues at Dover because you got all these people going away on the Channel Tunnel and you've got all the trucks queuing up as well. And I was sat there with my wife in, on my laptop in my lounge saying to my wife, please remind me never to travel on these bank holidays and so on. We've always had this rule, in fact, in our house. We would never go to the seaside on a bank holiday. <laughs> okay. Now, we broke this rule once. I know I'm whispering a little bit. I'm rambling on just a touch. But this is a witnessing to what happens when we don't follow the law of the Lord. Um, we had a rule that we would never travel on bank holidays. We would never go out to the beach. We'd stay at home and we'd rest and relax. It was a very simple rule. And we had four young children at this point in time. And so bank holidays were spent in the garden. If it was a hot day, we'd get the pool out and fill it with water. We'd splash, play, swim, have fun. On this one particular bank holiday, um, we had a rush of blood to the brain. And we texted all our friends who were also homeschoolers. Hey, you want to head off to Skegness and meet on the beach? <laughs> bad, bad move. Bad move. Okay, so we headed up through Boston and we thought, hey, this is great. The roads are clear. Normally there'd be traffic here in Boston. Uh, we got past Boston. We followed the sat-nav. And then we come to this particular roundabout. There's still miles from Skegness. Gridlock. Complete gridlock. And, and I said to my wife, I'm not joining that queue. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to sit in that queue. And then, so so we, we just scattered. We just we just turned left instead of right, and we headed down to a country park, and we just had a fun time in the country park. And then um, we texted a few of our friends. None of our group had made it to the beach. None of them. They'd all given up. And I said to Lynn, that is it. I'm not going out on bank holidays anymore. We, we're going to relax. We have to rest. Okay. Now, people, God has given us the Sabbath for a reason. Okay? He's given it to us. It's a commandment. It's not like God's secondary law. It's not like you can read through Exodus 25 and find this little snippet where God says, oh, and please try to rest once, once a week. You know, and I'm reading, I'm reading a book about the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. And in this, in this book, they're looking at other ancient civilizations and their practices. And they're saying only in Israel, only in the writings of the people of Israel, do we find such explicit references to a seven day week and a Sabbath rest, only in the writings of these people. We can find maybe mentions of it in other cultures, but with Israel, it's all over the place. It's all over there. That It's time and time and time again, and it's coming from God constantly God calling people to rest one day a week. There's actually probably about seven or eight um, times in the Torah where God tells the Israelites to rest on the Sabbath day. Okay. God, God is telling them. Now, once again, in my experience of evangelizing and meeting people and teaching these things, this is one of the things that I frequently come across. Okay, so I hope you're ready for this one. Whenever I teach on the Sabbath about resting, I always get asked the questions, can we do this? Can we do that? Should we do this? Should we do that? And I'm thinking you're asking the wrong question. 
instead of thinking about what you can do, you should be saying you should be looking at what you should be doing. Build up the culture of rest, cultivate rest in your body and soul before you start thinking about what you can or can't do. And basically what you're doing, when you say, what can I do and what can't I do? What we're doing is we're pushing boundaries with, with our relationship with God. We're basically saying, God wants me to take one day a week to restore my physical and mental energy, okay? And I'm constantly pushing back against this law. I'm constantly pushing back against God and saying, look, I'm sure I can get away with doing this. I'm sure I can get away with doing that. I'm sure that I can get away with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And all the time God is up there in heaven and saying, look, it, it's, it hasn't changed, folks. <laughs> I haven't changed that law in 3,000 years or so. The Sabbath day is, is the Sabbath day. The boundaries are still in place. You might be trying to climb over the fence so that you can get away with behaviors, but you'll pay the price for it. Yeah, it, it says here in my Bible, the footnote, to recover physical and mental energy and to spend time with your family. So there are three things, according to my Bible footnote, to recover your physical energy, to recover your mental energy, to spend time with your family, right? If you're not observing the Lord's day, you are not sufficiently recovering your physical energy. Your body is not being given an opportunity to recover and to be renewed. So if you're feeling all the aches and the pains and the tired and everything else, think about God's commandment. Secondly, mental energy. We have an epidemic of mental health problems in the Western world, not just in England, all over Western world. There is an incurable epidemic. And people are taking now record amounts of antidepressants and stress relief stuff to deal with their mental problems. Psychologists are booked out. Um, you, can, you, you know, counselors are booked out. Companies now, the company I worked for, now have to hire a team of counselors so that you can call them should you need help with your mental health. It's a, it's a big problem. What's the solution? What is the ultimate solution to mental health problems? Well, here's what my doctor says. Okay, it's very simple. Take some stress leave. What do you do on stress leave? You just enjoy yourself. What should you be doing? You should be resting. You should be recovering, letting the Lord repair the damage. Okay, let the Lord repair the damage. This is why he gives you the Sabbath. And I'm going to use a phrase, there's a phrase in the book that I was reading. The Lord has entrusted to us one day a week when we can rest. Okay, he's entrusted it to us. If you go into other parts of our society, um, they don't understand the concept of a, day, of a day off each week. It doesn't figure on their radar. But if you're, let's say, Muslims, Friday. Jews, Saturday, Christians, Sunday, the three main global monotheistic religions all recognize the need for one day a week when we should be resting. So my message to you, if you wish to see the Lord bring in healing into your life, bring in healing to your family, healing to your mental problems, healing to your physical problems, 
then you need to review your lifestyle. Okay, ponder what you're doing. Is your life in conformity with the will of God? Okay, and the will of God, once again, a slight little twist on the narrative. Um, I don't know if I've already mentioned this once or not. Um, if if um, when when people come to their relationship with God, especially in the conversations I've with people, it's always a case of, what can I do for God? Nothing. It's about what God does for us. And one of the things that God wants to do for us is he wants to bless us with a day a week where we can rest. Just just ponder these words, let these words sink in. I'm going to keep going on with this series for a bit longer because there are so many things to do with the Sabbath that we need to receive and let bless our hearts. Okay, so one of the great blessings of having a Sabbath day, it says here, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So we have a day a week where we can actually enjoy creation. I went out on a bike ride with my daughter yesterday. It was a beautiful day around here. Um, and we just took out for a bike ride. And I just said to her, gosh, it's so beautiful that the Lord has led us to this beautiful place in the country, this near Walsingham, where we can head up a country lane. There's no traffic to dodge. Um, there's no there's no shoppers. Um, it's just a lane, an empty country lane. And we cycled for about six miles. I think we passed two cars in that time. Well, two cars passed us, I should say. We're not that fast. Um, but it was recognizing the beauty of God's creation. And now I'm not saying that in sort of a pert fashion. Um, I really did get out there, and it really was a breathtaking experience. My heart was so full of gratitude to God for this, this the beauty of what he has created. This is one of the fruits of holding the Sabbath day. You know, my wife and family, we have Sundays off. We we preserve our Sunday together. Sometimes people invite us out places and they want to do things with us. And often we're like, no, this is our day together as a family and we want to preserve it. And I love my Sundays with my family. Uh, last Sunday was particularly lovely. I had my wife there, my daughter Hannah, little Sammy. My other son, Michael, my daughter's in a convent, so she wasn't with us. But it was beautiful. We, we had a nice relaxing morning, restful afternoon, restful evening, and a bit of time in the garden in the afternoon. Simplicity of life. Okay. Now, I'm going to hand back over to Eddie in a moment. My first song, I think we've got Miracle Maker lined up um, by Delirious. Um possibly, or Rain Down by Delirious. Either way, the songs I've chosen, I've chosen because it's a particular charism of healing that I want you to receive today. I'm, I'm asking the Lord to bring healing to people again and again and again, because I always meeting people who are suffering with lots of mental health problems and lots of physical health. So I'm praying that as the songs are sung, that you will be touched. Thank you very much indeed, Derek. That was great. And um, lots of important things already there to pick up on. In the meantime, we're going to play this song. Just Miracle Maker. 
This is Radio Maria. Very warm welcome back. And you've been listening to Credo with our dear friend, Derek Williams. And we've been, well, Derek's been discussing his part three in his series on the Sabbath. Lots of very interesting points to remember as Christians, as how our roots are so firmly tied in with uh, our ancient uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. And um, I think the first take home of the first part was uh, God wants us to rest. And he didn't explain it in an in in ambiguous terms it was really pretty straightforward so um i'm going to hand back the airways again to derek and for part two so we enjoy super ready thank you very much uh i've now sort of flicked on to exodus chapter 23 which is where god talks about the sabbath for the second time um well actually the third time he spoke about the sabbath in exodus 16 when the Israelites were traveling across the wilderness then they gather at Mount Sinai, and he once again speaks about the Sabbath. They're still gathered at Mount Sinai, but God is expanding the law. He's giving Moses, as it were, the laws for the Israelites to live by, which are a stark contrast to the nations around them. Ancient com- people who are commenting on these laws that the Israelites were given try to say, oh, they borrowed from here and they borrowed from there. It's nonsense. The um, the Israelite, the, the Torah, the law of the Israelites, is utterly unique, utterly unique. If if you just take Canaanite religion, for example, the Canaanites would put people to death every single year, a bit like the um, the Incas in South America. There is that that is completely God actually says to these right? You won't do that. You shall not kill. So it's it's explicit. It's a contrast, and also. With the Israelites, you know, their religion is the worship of one God. If you looked at the Egyptians, for example, they worshipped they worship loads of gods. At least 10 gods were worshipped. Uh, and there was no sense of rest. It was also a 10-day week, according to one of the uh, scholars that I've read. Um, so the, the, the contrast is extraordinary between what the Jews receive in the Torah and the nations around them. And also... The, the the Torah, the Bible alive in front of me, please remember this book is divinely inspired. We have to remember that. It sets it apart from every other book on the planet. Okay. This is the divinely inspired one. No other book on planet Earth is divinely inspired. No other book has the charism of inspiration when it comes to its writing. Okay, and the churches discern that carefully. So based on the fact that what we're reading is divinely inspired, and therefore this is God speaking to us, here's have a, have a listen to what God has got to say. This is Exodus 23, verse 10. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year shall let it rest and lie fallow. So God is telling the people of Israel, while they're in the deserts, before they've even got to the, to the promised land, He's saying to them, look, guys, you were slaves a few weeks ago where you didn't get any time out whatsoever. But when you come to the land that I'm going to give you, the promised land that I'm going to entrust to you, you can work for six years. And then every every seventh year, let the land have a break because the land must have a Sabbath. And I'm going to bless you so that you won't be, sh- you won't be short. You'll, you'll always have food to eat. And he says this. Let the land rest on my fellow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave, the wild beasts may eat. 
So God isn't just taking care of the people who happen to have land. He's taking care of the people who have nothing. Through one, one way or another, they've got no money and no property. So he's taking care of them. Let the poor eat. And then if they don't eat something, the wild beasts can have it. Um, don't forget, can have it. They're not to be, no one's, the poor are not to be charged for this. All right. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. For six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your maid servants, and the alien may be refreshed. So everybody is going to, as it were, benefit from the people of Israel resting one day a week. Everyone gets to have a day off. Oh boy, take the, let's contrast that with our current society, okay? Um, when we go for a job interview at certain companies, we could actually be questioned, are you willing to work on Sundays? Are you willing to work on the Sabbath? There's a pressure on, yeah? Now, I know that in certain organizations that has to be the case. We have to work on a Sunday because the, the nature of the organization, but there's always a day off. Which day do you want to have as your day off? Okay. And that's where it's down to our personal decision. The pressure is off. It's up to us then. But nonetheless, flicking back to that concept of having to work on the Lord's day and being pushed or constrained to do it. God's law is the opposite. God's law takes us in the exact opposite direction. God is saying, you shall not do any sort of work. Can you imagine a commandment, a God? who loves his people so much that for one day a week, he says to the entire nation, you shall not work. Now, I remember when I was a kid, living in Birmingham in the early 70s, I wouldn't see any buses. The local roads would be empty. There'd be no cars on the roads, parked or others, because we lived near an industrial estate. There was no cars, none of the workers were there. The industrial estate was closed down. We'd walk to mass. When we were walking out of Mass, I remember walking out of Mass on a Sunday morning and the pavements were packed with people heading down to the next Mass. It was hard. You couldn't walk on the pavements because there were so many people heading down to Mass, thousands of them. This was the experience. I don't remember the, the, the shops in the city centre shut. The city centre deserted. Okay, It was like a ghost town. Everyone was at home. Everyone was relaxing and resting. Everyone was enjoying the Lord's Day. And the hospitals were not overflowing with people suffering from mental health problems. They were not suffering from people suffering from stress-related problems, um, from you know various sporting injuries and so on. It did not. Most of these things did not exist back then. Okay, and you might say, "Gosh, this is like a utopian society." Not quite. We had a few problems in the seventies as well, as those of you who remember. But the point is, see if you can receive this message. Okay, God. God is wanting to bless us. God wants to heal us. God wants to, God wills that we be healed, at least within, you know, in the heart, in our mental health state. He wants to bring peace to us. Okay. Now, the Sabbath here in Exodus 23 then flows into the pilgrim feast of Israel, and every pilgrim feast requires a sabbath break every pilgrim feast requires a sabbath rest so once again god is being very explicit 
Okay. Now, but what I want to take you on now to verse 20. All right. Get ready for verse 20. Exodus 23, verse 20. Are you ready? This is God speaking to each one of us. Behold, I'm sending an angel before you to guard you on your way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared for you. Every one of us has got an angel leading us and guiding us on our way, our guardian angel. And it says to bring you to the place which I have prepared. God has prepared a place for us interiorly, a place in our soul where we can find great peace and great rest. And our angel is guiding us inwards. He's guiding us on an inward journey to that place of rest. And he says, give heed to your angel. Listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. So this angel, each of you, has this guardian angel watching over you, trying to draw you in to a place which is peaceful, which is restful, which is healing and transformative. God then says this, verse 22. If you listen attentively, to his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. So think about the, okay, well, I was going to say, think about your enemies. Our greatest enemy is often ourselves. We, we can be battling against ourselves all the time. I bet even when you're listening to this series, you're thinking to yourself, how can I do that? How can I not do nothing on Sunday or Monday or Saturday? How can I have a day off when I have to do this and I have to do that? So immediately you're battling against yourself, not against anyone else. And the, the Lord knows you have that battle. The Lord is sending an angel to you to help you win the victory. Um, and I'll, I'll share this one last thing before we go to our next song. Um, John Paul II wrote a superb book called Crossing the Threshold of Hope. It wasn't really a book he wrote. It was more of an interview that was put into writing. And in the penultimate chapter called Crossing the Threshold of Hope, he actually wrote, when the victory comes, it will come through Mary. Christ wants all of his victories to be established in Mary. Mary, with the angel, will guide you to your Sabbath rest. Just ponder that one. Listening to Radio Maria, here's me shouting out Sabbath rest, and I'm saying to you, Mary will help you to gain the victory. Over to you, Eddie. All right, thank you very much indeed. Eh? You heard it here first. And coming next, we have Delirious and Rain Down.
That was Delirious and Rain Down, chosen by our guest speaker this afternoon and every Tuesday, uh, Mr. Derek Williams, who today's been concluding his uh, three-part talk on the Sabbath and how important it is to rest up, mandate from our from God himself. I thought it was um, interesting when you said, I think it was in the first half of the talk, uh, that compared to all the other religions, uh, Judaism, which obviously where we come from, is the only one of the ancient world where God explicit, explicitly insists that we rest. This is right. And indeed, um, if we, I mean, this is based on what I've read from other people who have their expertise in their fields. This isn't something I've researched yeah, myself. Like this is what I'm religions from other, and all from that, right? That's right. So the, the Jews were the, probably the first and only nation which would literally have a seven-day week and a one-day week of rest. It is not to be found elsewhere. And it's um, in the book that I've been reading, they say how God entrusted the Sabbath specifically to these people of Israel. So you have to think about that, God entrusted it to them. It didn't come out of their cultural behavior, it came from God. And in fact, that's, that's the same with just about everything that we can say about certainly ancient Israel, but even modern Israel, that this is a nation, let's go for ancient Israel, this is a nation whom God himself formed. This isn't like just a, we, we can't claim that for ourselves in England. You know, we, we had ancient tribes and stuff like that, but God did not specifically come and sit on a mountaintop and speak to us that way. The Israelites were formed in that way. And therefore they have got so much to teach us mm in terms of the way of life that God willed his people to live. Great, great. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And uh, thanks for putting it all together and explaining uh, You're welcome. These, uh, these concepts. I think a lot of people instinctively know what you mean, but without it having been specifically laid out, it's not as, uh, as clear. So, uh, so that's great. Well, look, we've just got... I the... think this is... Go ahead. Go on. No, no, after you. I think this... Yeah, this is an important point you make, Eddie. Um, we all know that we are meant to rest one day a week. We all know it. Um, you know, it's in it's in our catechesis. I mean, I say we all know it, Christians. It's in the scriptures so often. It's proclaimed on Sunday in the Gospels all the time, the Sabbath day. We know from the Jewish people living among us that the Sabbath is important, mm. vitally important to those people. We know from our parents and grandparents that the Lord's Day is a very important day of the week for mm. Mass and mm. for rest. But I think we live in a culture which pushes against us so much that it's actually hard for us to push against the tide, which tells us we should not be lazing around one day a week. You know, you're being lazy. And the biggest problem I've had that I found people have in respect of observing this day of rest, is they feel guilty. They feel like they're lazing. They feel like they're not doing anything. What they don't realize is that this is God's will. Mm. This is what God wills for you. And therefore, once again, the battle with our guilty conscience, that conscience there is selling us wrong. Okay, The conscience normally provokes us to repent of our sin. The sin on the Sabbath day is actually not observing the obligations that God imposes upon us. That's a sin. For example, not going to Mass on the Lord's Day. 
that that's a sin according to the catechism mm. so there's a and and the obligation to rest so if we're saying okay i i really can't be lazing around because i've got to do something because my conscience is taught speaking against me well what's going on there is your conscience is falsely speaking against you because god himself has called you into a time with him if you're married with your spouse if you have a family with your children but at the very least you and him he wants a day a week mm. where you and him engage with some very quality time mm. together and where you fight against the tide of our culture and you start as it were tuning back in to the ancient culture which gave us this faith that we have today so england way back over a thousand years ago so tuning in to what god wants for your life and not what others would try to impose upon your life this is the challenge this is where our gain angels can help you did you have anything you wanted to chip in on that eddie um what just that it's uh again i'll repeat it's um it, it's really great to have it laid out plainly and i like the fact when you said earlier um God wants us to have physical and mental rest. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a personal God, right? That's a God who knows what human beings are about, how they're made, how they do have to go out and earn and put food on the table and provide for their families. Mm. But one day, stop, because you need to recharge. And like you said, I think that's quite, mm. obviously, it's, uh, it's very specific to uh, Abrahamic faiths. Like you were saying that you wouldn't find that so much but uh but i've certainly gone yeah. home with a lot of take homes from the from today as uh, as always but uh, we've got i don't want to hog the 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 airwaves at all we've got just under just under 10 minutes left so um anything else you'd like to add yourself yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, you know me, Eddie. I've got a, a, a book in front of me with over a thousand pages in, and I could, <laughs> I could um, deliver quite a lot here. You know what and you're talking the about. The final song that I've, the final song that I've picked for today is called "Just One Touch from the King" by Godfrey Bertels. One of my favourite, favourite, favourite songs. Really love this song. So, leading up to it, I just want to read from Exodus 31, verse 32. And this is what I'm going to encourage you to listen. If you, if you can take just 10 minutes with me now to sit down and just listen to the voice and let my voice minister to you for 10 minutes and then this song. Okay, let's have a song of ministry together if you can. If you've got stuff to do, then just try to hear the voice. But if you can take a break, 10 minute afternoon break with me. Um, and here's what I've got to say to you. Listen to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses. Okay, so I can confidently say the Lord is speaking. The Lord said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel or say to the children of God, you shall keep my Sabbaths. But this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So it is in rest that God's power to sanctify us can be made powerfully manifest. That sanctification isn't just about making us, as it were, super holy. The sanctification is about the healing of memories. It's about the healing of the wounded heart. It's about the restoration of our mental and physical health. 
The sanctification is about making us a people of great peace, of great love. God's sanctification is about us being radically transformed from within so that the arrows and darts that other people can fling at us do not have an impact anymore. The sanctification that God wants to put us through, that God wants to heal those interior wounds that sometimes we might not even realize are there. They're so deep and painful. We might be completely denying them. But this is what God wants to do. Now, the song that I've chosen by Godfrey Bertels, Just One Touch From The King, changes everything. So in a minute, I'm going to ask Eddie to play that song. And I'm going to be sat here praying quietly while it's playing, praying for every single one of you that Jesus, the King, and Mary, the Queen, will visit you, and they will touch you, and they will change things in you. This is my prayer, and I've experienced this touch in my own life. Um, very briefly, a few years ago, I had agonizing sciatica in my back, and I was lying on my lounge floor in agony. It was very, very painful, and it was the Feast of the Assumption. And I said to our Blessed Mother, Mary, it's your feast day. You like to give things on your day. Will you touch my spine? Just touch my, my sciatic nerve, and I will be healed. And I just lay there for a few minutes praying this very simple prayer and I felt my sciatic pain melt away and it completely went. I stood up and I was looking for the pain. I was stretching and moving. Thinking, Where's the pain gone? And I was so grateful to our Blessed Mother that she had instantly cured me on the Feast of the Assumption. And I was able to freely move for the first time in several months. So I'm praying now, as we play this song, that the Lord will visit you, he will touch you, and he will bring you healing, him and his mother. There's a battle raging over this land A deep damage in the people Yet pride stops us stretching out our withered hand Yet God has stretched out to heal us, this I know, this I know, this I know, this I know. A deep darkness on the people But a light is shining that the dark can't understand Light of the world, King Jesus, do you know?
Just one touch of the king there by Godfrey Brittle. And uh, Derek's been quietly praying for uh, all the intentions of our, of our listeners there, of you, for all you people who are tuning in. And uh, I did likewise too. It rubbed off on me as well. So um, it's a lovely way to, uh, to end a, a great talk. Thank you very much, Eddie. Next week, we're going to probably take a little bit more look at Sabbath regulation. We're going to stick with the, uh, the tour for now, probably looking at Exodus 35 and lighting a fire. I want us to see about lighting a fire in our dwelling place next week. So there's gonna be a bit of fire around, um, hopefully. So I pray listeners that you had a, a blessed time. Um, if you've got any questions regarding a sabbatical and you can't call in on this Tuesday, for example, send us an email. We'll happily read out your emails and go through your questions and um, your testimonies um, let us know you're there. Let us know if this show is blessing you and so on. Um, and, you know, I'll happily take any questions or any challenges, etc. Okay. All right. um, have a blessed week. Great. So lots more to look forward to. Lots more to look forward to, Eddie. All right.